Welcome to the Green Green Grassroots of Football with me, Andy Glover. Me, Mark Grinter. Me, Ben Dressitano. And uh, yeah, James Linden joining. Yeah. And before we, go any f- yeah. before we go any further, <laughs> I would just like to thank our sponsor, Rachel's Bookkeeping, for all your bookkeeping's needs. So, as you heard, James is back. Thank you, James, for coming back. Um, if you heard the previous episode and what it means to coach individual players, then you'll know that this is essentially carrying on from that, but looking what it means to coach the team instead. And obviously on that episode, uh, two weeks ago, James was here. So we really appreciate James making the effort to come back two weeks later to do this again. So James, thank you so much for making the effort. I know you've had a long day today. My pleasure. Really appreciate you making the effort to come back again another time. It's like I never went away. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a time warp. <laughs> anyway, uh, a little in-joke for those who know. So, as usual, I'll begin but with one quote this time. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting down. One quote. I believe in work. <coughs> okay, I'll start that again because Mark Sorry. coughed all over it. I believe... <laughs> I know. This is it's chaos, isn't it? You're trying to get professionalism here. Anyway, so I'll start with what I'll start with the quote. I believe in work, in connections between players. I think what makes football great is that it's a team sport. You can win in different ways by being more of a team or by be- having better individual players. It is the team ethic that interests me, always. And that was Arsene Wenger. Mm. Now. Anyone who's seen possibly one of the greatest goals ever scored by Jack Wilshire, and I think it's about six one-touch passes in a row, will know exactly what he means by that. It's yeah. one. If you haven't, go check out Jack Wilshire uh, against. Could be someone like Fulham or QPR. I'm not exactly certain. Ben Google is it. now going to look on his phone to I'm find out. Have to Google it. But it is an absolutely. Stunning goal of one-touch ball passing. It's like six in a row, I think. Maybe even more than that. A couple that. of one-twos in there, isn't there? Yeah, great. Yeah. It is a fantastic... But it, you talk of a team working together, that is an absolute epitome of what they're talking about. Um, and so tonight, we're looking at how do you coach the team to try and do that? It's against Norwich. Against Norwich? Well, yeah. there we go. Thank I knew you were wearing yellow. I wanted to say Watford, but I didn't want to. No, it's against Norwich. <laughs> so... Um, what makes, how is, we, we obviously last time we looked at coaching players, like looking at coaching a team, what are the, the benefits and perhaps drawbacks of coaching a team compared to coaching individual players? And I'll start off by saying it's more game realistic and more game relevant. Thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, it, it, I mean, basically when they, the basics of football, it is a team. So it's, you have to have the team playing as a yeah. as a team. So you need them all working together. They're all going to have all different personalities, like we said. But you need to get them gelling together. It is pointless having, certainly at grassroots level, even at any level, let's be honest, if you've got a world-class player who doesn't play, who plays for themselves rather than the team, individually and the team will not be successful. Um, so you have to get them working together. Um, you know they'll all have parts of the team will have weaknesses and strengths, and you gel it all together. It takes time, it takes 
effort it takes thing but it is patience yeah patience is the biggest one yeah i mean we're with the under 10 girls at the moment we're trying to the big thing i do at the moment is make the pitch big when we're attacking and then you make it small when defending yeah. they've sussed out to make the pitch when it's big do they tuck back in and come together and defend no so at the moment i'm having my wide girls when it's coming in and they're 30 yards making the pitch wider when it, and you think why aren't you and because and you know at the moment but they're getting some of it yeah but not all, they're not coming together as a team they want the glory of being out wide getting the goal to understand to come together to come inside because they're nine and ten years old yeah. um, and I have to be realistic that that ain't gonna happen yet so you have to be realistic within that team constraints and what they can do and can't do. Now before I come to, to James and Ben for their answers, I'll come in now and say you've coached the team to make the pitch big yeah. but you've got one or two players who then aren't understanding to make it narrow. Make it narrow. Yeah. Going back to last the, the episode from two weeks ago isn't that where perhaps would be beneficial to then work with those two individually we, and is that where that's the, the difference between coaching a team and coaching a player would stand out? Is that, I, I, is that yeah, a difference I, I, where coaching a team, they've got it, but... Potentially, as a coach, I just noticed it in the last game. It might be all of them haven't got it. It was just that these, <laughs> the, these individuals in the last game... They stood out. They stood out, they stood out really not getting it. Because they were right on the touchline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Off the pitch. Off the pitch. <laughs> yeah. so, getting a bottle of water. Yeah. <laughs> too wide. It too might wide. have been... So, but again, that is now... If we're you know, fortunate enough to train this weekend... We'll, we'll have a go again with the team. If then, in a couple of weeks, these individuals are still, like they said, out so far wide it's ridiculous when we're trying to defend, then we'll go into it as an individual. But as a team at the moment, we've made such a big thing of, I want the pitch to be big when they're playing. For them <laughs> and again, it's like we were saying that they have to understand. Mixed messages almost, yeah. isn't it? And it's, yeah. at, that, at, their, at their age. Yeah. yeah. Like, we want it big, we want it big. Like, def- what, you have to get narrow. Well, hang on a minute, you said, and yeah, so it is that understanding, but it was obvious in just in the last game that two of them were so far out wide when it was just all going in the middle, it was ridiculous. But there you <laughs> go. But that again, that's more me rather than as a coach to understand the team and their knowledge. Again, I think because they're under nine girls, if we were coaching the under 16 boys on the space, it'd be worse. Yeah, it potentially would be, it potentially would be worse. <laughs> But they'd have, hopefully, like I said, a more of an understanding, yeah. like we were saying, of the language and stuff that's being used, of making even making the pitch big and making the pitch small. Well, as to a ten-year-old girl, that pitch is a squ- that pitch doesn't change its size. The pitch is you, already big. How 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 are you changing the size of the pitch? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The language you're using, yeah. the communication, yeah. So, but yeah, I think obviously you've got to teach them individuals, but yeah, the team, it, it's a team sport. Mm, definitely. Right. Ben James, game realism. So, well, I'm going to not get. I'm not going to answer your question directly. And this whole topic has been. I've been struggling with it a little, quite a lot recently, in my mind because. Um, I saw a tweet recently from a guy. He's one of these one-to-one skills coaches, and he was saying that you should coach kids right up until fifteen, sixteen, not to be, um, to be a, like a team. Champion to dream of being like a champion team player but to dream of being a Ballon d'Or winner because that 
that's the way at a younger age to get better teams when they're older is to basically have them mm. all being technically better from a young age I kind of I don't wholly agree with that but the, the, but the bit that I am struggling with is when you're when we're coaching a philosophy or a team team way of playing right that you've yeah. got have, every manager's got a slightly different approach to it but broadly like our culture of football is quite is a similar sort of philosophy which is like you said about getting it's, it's sort of the, the Pep Guardiola influence and going back to that sort of positional play sort of style of football and recently I've been reading all about this this team in Brazil Fluminense and then Malmo are doing it in Sweden there's a couple of teams that are starting to completely challenge that idea of what I always thought was just the basic way that you have to play football by dominating possession by making the yeah. pitch really big and stretching the team this Fluminense team who were in the um, Copa Libertadores final the other day which is like the South American Champions League their managers and he's, he, I don't know where he's got it from but he just goes forget that that's, that's not how we're playing they stick all their players on the same side of the pitch they basically play percentages completely everyone just gets really close mm. and but it's it's not it's really he's got a reason to it and it's it's really effective they all get really really close to each other they you know you're, you quite often say don't I, I can't have I can't have two players on the same passing line yeah, you know, I coached yeah. that a lot I used to think that was just a fundamental thing in football that if you, you know you couldn't stand in the same line he encourages all his players to get in the same passing line they call it a ladder and what often, often they'll do is punch it into the first player who just lets it go through him and it goes to so the player behind yeah. and you see all these examples of people going the other team just like mind blown don't know, yeah. what, don't know how to defend it and now other people are copying it and so you've kind of got this sort of alternative philosophy to playing the game that's made me think if you're coaching how do we know it's right do you know what I mean it's, it's like the way that you're setting a team up is just your opinion goes back to what I said two weeks ago uh, that you um, it's about how you interpret the game basically so I, I think coaching a team is you've got to coach the individuals to be adaptable I think that's what I'm trying to get to yeah. because yeah. at some point in time they'll, pl they'll play for a manager even if it is the same broad philosophy but they've got a different way of coaching it the best thing we can do is coach players to be adaptable and good learners so that when they do get somebody who tells them do you know what I want you to play slightly differently to what your last coach said they've got the ability to actually um, take that on board and learn new systems and new approaches so I would rather teach teach young kids to how to learn than to learn my way of playing if that makes sense because yeah. I think that'll be better for them going forward that was a very complicated convoluted <laughs> answer but that's yeah, I'm just trying to think I can add to it but <laughs> does it make sense I don't know it makes sense because like for me I like possession based football that's how I was taught my, my father and my coach that's how he taught us was to keep the ball um, sometimes we played on the counter attack very very defensive against stronger teams because that being Italian is kind of what we we embrace that um, that's your cultural but, thing isn't it yeah, yeah very defensive and I love defending it's yeah. just a natural thing very defensive and then we would play but when we had possession it was calm on the ball can we use it well can we so that was going back well it's over 20 years ago I was playing junior football in it so yeah so I just think 
But yeah, I like possession-based football, but that's interesting. I've not seen that, so I'm going to Google that as soon as I get into it. Yeah, have a look at Fluminese. It's, it's yeah. bizarre, because it makes you think, a bit like when you believed in a religion and then somebody yeah. makes you realise that there's yeah, other no. possibilities out there. Because a lot of some coaches still hit long. I get that, but you've got to also coach to the players' abilities you've got. So if you've got lads or girls that are really good in the air and you've got a centre-half and a, and a full-back and, and your keeper who can kick long, why not play those percentages? Um, it's not a right or a wrong way. I just particularly I didn't like it. I think it's ugly and boring. But if it works for your squad, it works for your squad. That's what Sam Allardyce yeah. used to say, wouldn't it? Exactly. Like, people like you that play with what you've got. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're again. I think with within the under ten girls, we've struggled a little bit this year because a lot of the other teams have got that centre back or goalkeeper that can basically hoof the ball 30-40 yards gets it into your hat and at our age at that under 10 girls age group that young age group if the ball is mainly in your half you, you will probably 9 times out of 10 you won't win yeah, because you can see the goal won't you so if you've got somebody and we potentially haven't we haven't coached it we've tried to coach the 5-10 nice little pat and some of our you know looks lovely and we've had the ball for 20, 30 seconds and we've gone absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> and, and then at that age, they make the mistake and the opposition are in. Whereas some teams, like you said, get the ball, goalkeeper to the centre-back, centre-back, yeah. and it's it, by our penalty box. But that's, that's better for me. So you've got an idea of how you want to play and yeah. a philosophy. Eventually and it you've comes. you've coached it and you're yeah. sticking with it. That's better for me than saying... Oh well, because that wasn't successful at under tens, we'll change. Let's change yeah, what we did. Don't that, I don't think you can do that. I no, think. I agree. But I also, I also think it's important to coach the other way as well. And why I mean that, and I mean in terms of the team, is most of my under eight girls, the majority of the teams will play against. Their goalkeeper will pass it to the defender, and they'll pass it forward. Yeah. There's one team will play against who will have all four of their because we play five aside. All four of their players on the halfway line, and as soon as the goalkeeper passes it, they will swarm you. It's quite yeah. literally as they're about to pass it, they're running. Yeah, yeah. And we played them recently, and they were swarming us. And I was chatting to my coach and said, you know, even because even when the goalie gets it in their hands, they've got retreat. You, you, you retreat yeah. and you put it down. You do. You don't have to, but you do. And I asked my my coach, one of my coaches, can our goalkeeper drop kick? Absolutely, of course he can. So right, next time we play this, we'll, we'll play out two or three times. And then we'll and change it. it's in the hand yeah. next time, we'll drop kick. Because they'll be ready to run and they just won't expect it. It's not what we all do on a regular basis, but no. against this team after three or four times, but you have to have that ability. You still have to have players who can do this. Because Mark and I won a, uh, an Atis Talks um, yeah. for Tisdale. And he said that's, um, he went to, I think it was America. Yeah. And he said it's one of the, you know, he showed them the issues of, of playing out from the back. And it's the reason West Ham won the Europa yeah. Conference. They played it out and lost it in the final final seconds, didn't they? Mm, definitely. So you have to, you have to sort of learn all ways. And I think that only comes by being able to coach the team, I think. You know, working on such things like phases of play, by having everyone there, that allows you to work with a group of players, play. patterns Pat of play, phases of play, whatever it is. Love patterns of play. Yeah. Love you can't do that if you're just working one to one, one to two. Yeah. However, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think another advantage of working work as a team is that the team communicates and works better together. They bond, don't they? 
yeah, yeah. they become a unit that that's a big a big thing for me is getting my teams no matter your, your ability the teams I've always coached I've always wanted them to be like a family yeah. and that starts with you as a coach whether yeah. you're organising days out away from football because it takes that it's not just it's not just all about football whether you're taking so that's part tag. of the four corner model isn't it the, the social side yeah 100% the social side is massively important not just in the in the clubhouse after a game like oh, do you know what we ain't got a game this weekend should we go and do something completely unrelated yeah. to football or maybe as a day out I've seen I've seen Mark down at Rovers we went and watched you went and watched yeah. uh, Rovers Forest Green wasn't it yep. and the women's that, yeah. yeah so I was there before we'd, I was going to watch the men's game and then I invited all my girls down afterwards and we had a, an evening out watching a game of football rather than playing a game of football. So things like that go a long, long way and it helps bring them together as a unit. So that is a massive benefit of having, a, having them as a team mm. rather than an individual. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I think I've said on many of these podcasts, the social side of grassroots football is the most important. For me, it's the most important thing. The football yeah. is, it's like I said, Fries and Red Falcons, four to five hundred boys and girls playing the likelihood is if between those four and five hundred if one of them goes on to have a game as a professional yeah it'd be amazing it'd be highly highly unlikely there's you've got to be honest it's highly you'd love it to happen but those four to five hundred children will work in offices will work in factories yeah. will work in shops will have lives as teams outside yeah. and to get the so to learn the social interaction as a team as a community it is so important yeah. um, we try to do with the, the under 10 girls something once every once twice a, twice a month we, we we try to do quite a lot with them yeah. um, they've done flag bearing they've done mascots we've gone here there and everywhere with them and it is it's huge it's the most important I mean last week we had the girls Christmas disco yeah. I think in total there was three, 300, 300 and for me that those are the memories they will take back yeah I remember that night in the club actually. yeah and you know obviously the Wembley trip and everything yeah, like that everything like that yeah. it is what they remember they will remember the odd game the odd goal the odd this that and the other but they will remember that trip out to watch England yeah. or yeah. And being whoever and, it may be and, learn, and, then, and for them to learn you know you're part of a team of you know well, at the end of 10 girls there's 30 of them over the two, yeah. two teams they're not going to like and be best mates with all 30 of them no but they as a team have to learn I don't really but I've got to learn to respect that person yeah. and get yeah. on with that person and work with that person and spend time with that person without being disruptive ignoring them politeness yeah being respectful. life skills isn't it yeah it's life skills and that is as grassroots i think when you get into academies and stuff like that might be slightly slightly different outlook but i certainly think at grassroots level it's the fundamental what you base it on but that root that grinding that you give them if they do end up in academies and stuff, that will only benefit them. Yeah, yeah. Because they'll be like, oh, right, there's an individual there I used to play against, or I didn't particularly like him or her as a player, but now we're on the same team, so we got to pull in the same direction. So, yeah. And it's the same what... in work. I've worked with people I don't particularly like, and I'll be honest, and I've probably told them, but we have to get on because the end goal <laughs> is to finish our day's work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think in any sport, football, rugby, if you work as a team, yeah. as a life skill, it, it's fundamental I think I mean I've spoken about my boy Corey 
Mm. Uh, he's got autism and stuff like that. If it wasn't for foot, and he's fortunate enough, he's going to go to the Bristol City Robbins Foundation as his further education. Amazing. None of that would be capable, and he wouldn't be able to be as function if it wasn't for football. So yeah. if it wasn't for what Andy's done as a team with him and the club, and he's now comes to eight people know him down at the Summerdale yeah. and everybody knows who he is and he's part of that I remember when he was at my soccer schools and you telling me I didn't think he would play much after sort of like 9-10 no, years old yeah. and we had that conversation and I was like I can't believe it because he actually he loves his football yeah like you've got to keep told these me that players as well. yeah. I said I said you watch I just tell him I said I told, I told me you'd be wrong there but that comes that comes because you are working with them as a team, and the team and accepts, are, yes, accept them in that team environment where they're bonding together constantly. Jane, I think you were looking to come in at some point there. No, just just to say that the the life skills bit of it is is unbelievable, and and it's you're right. The percentage of anyone who's going to play it at any sort of paid level is is ridiculously small. So small that you should never really be focused on it. Never, be, never on be it. thinking about that. You know, always be thinking about why you're doing it and the, the the social and psychological benefits you're giving to young people and and you could link it into all that technology stuff and if you think about young kids who are don't have the benefit of being part of a team probably mm. going the opposite direction more insular more time in their bedroom more time online I'm, I'm i'm not saying if you play computer games it's all bad but i i do think that Increasingly, you need to get kids out talking to people, yeah. being out in society, being around traveling and traveling. Yeah. Traveling is massive, you know. I think um, my boys were very lucky to travel a lot with football when they were young, yeah. and they went away without us with the team, and they'd go to like Europe and stuff. And then every time they come back, I'd notice this confidence and swagger this, almost. Yeah, just you know, it, yeah, the, just seeing bits of the world that. Give them, make them realise that it's there's more outside their four walls of the, of the house, which increasingly we seem to find <coughs> young mental health problems because people feel trapped yeah. in, in a very small space quite yeah. a lot of the time. So that that is huge, and that is what being a team and coaching a team is all about. And and actually, I'm glad this conversation has gone this way rather than spending it talking about tactics and formations yeah, and, oh, yeah, and yeah, other definitely. things actually, because I think you know. The, Oh, we can talk about that. In another you can talk about that all about day another, long, and, and nobody's ever going to prove anyone else wrong or right. <laughs> no, about it, but, <laughs> but you love the teams that um, you had some nice feedback from Brisington after a game. Yeah. Another local team that we played, and we lost. And you know, we beat them sometimes. They beat us sometimes. It's a bit to and fro. Yeah. We lost on the day. They were the better team on the day. But one of the girls and then their team got a ball in the face went down really hurt yeah. and one of our girls went up and asked if she was alright and the coach emailed after and said you know that's a really nice thing for you yeah. guys to do but but we always think that, that that's how you play football it's just so normal I thought that's that your normal, reputation and yeah, yeah, that's what you think wouldn't that's you the so, norm, but yeah. they said it's not so. it. yeah it's, it's a thing we you know so, the respect yeah, to do so it. they so having that you know, learning respect for other people and all that sort of stuff is yeah. exactly what you want to get out of it and if you're doing those things right then um, if you lose every game, I think it's uh, you know you can look at it and hopefully that's not what's going to happen. But, but there's I so mean, many variables in football that the result is quite especially often, at grassroots football. At grassroots football um, and the way the leagues are set up and all these types of things, you know, a scoreline is usually the probably the last sort of key performance thing I'd be looking at indicator I'd be looking at. And yeah, you want to see the team performance we pull in 
in the direction that we've coached them that week are they are they taken on board those two or three coaching points at half time do you know what exactly. I mean you can't give them too much information especially when they're younger um, and if they do that then what that's the win isn't it yeah, for me that's the win that, that's a, that, is a, that is one football related thing there's a good point actually yeah. what, what do you guys think about when when your coaching the team is done and you let them go off and then play the match because we see a lot of I see a lot of coaches kind of coaching through their team through a game yeah. so like constant constant instruction through the game from the first whistle do, you do this do that drop there go there do this a lot of like emotive sort of oh why did he do that blah 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 no, I prefer to set the team up and then let them go and then at half time we'll have a little review and at the end of the game we'll have a review but I'm quite vocal, I'll be honest, but in a, well, I think I like to think I'm in a positive way. So I won't bark orders at them the whole game. I will encourage, and I'll ask them what can we do better. Why are we why have we done that there? Where could we where could we go from there next time? And give them little little bits of information that they then have to mm. solve themselves. Do you do that during the game? So yeah, sometimes yeah. it depends if we're depends if we're under a lot of pressure or if we're doing the right. If we do something right and it doesn't work. We just try again. Yeah. Nice try. Unlucky. Let's go again. Yeah, I've never ever. I mean, I've run teams now for thirty years. I've never ever criticised a player on a pitch, no matter how bad the shot defending. No. Unlucky. Nice try. Good Head effort. Up. If the pass, if I if a pass is wrong, but I can see what they're trying to do. Unlucky. Good idea. I saw what you're trying to do. Yeah. Not a problem. Good Brilliant. intention. Can we, yeah, try, can we try? That? Can we take a bit off next time, yeah, or does yeah. it need a bit more on it? Can absolutely. We just... uh, in terms of also my shouts, very much challenging them. So things like, okay, can you see a pass? Can, can we find the next find pass? The, can you find the player? Yeah. yeah. Not. It's there. It's over there. Look for this. Can not to you, number ten. Not, not to yeah, number yeah, eight. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, next pass. And I, I, I do have, I do have a, an issue that I have to have to resolve in in, in one of the teams where a, a new a new coach is, is a little bit like that. But he's he's very enthusiastic, and I and I will have this conversation yeah. where you know you have to sort of step back and allow them to learn. Um, yeah. But I'm very very much you know challenge them, and then I, I even even the younger girls I've got, I'll stand there quietly for five minutes and just watch them and let them play. You have to let them play. I always remember my first game in, in grassroots. Um, so when I just just formed Red Falcon, it was our first ever competitive match. Well, competitive, five-a-side. It's not competitive, but the first ever league arranged. Official game. Yeah, yeah official one in, in the Hannah Minor League. And we played at Avon Athletic. And I was stood on the sidelines. And if I shut my eyes and just listened, I could have been at a men's professional from the game. parents on the top no side. from the coach stood next to me oh, wearing right, even right. athletic oh, so, yeah. it was horrendous yeah. he did not give those poor kids they were tw- they beat us 27 nil. <laughs> those poor kids were shouting screamed at right. they're 15 nil up yeah. it like yeah, if yeah. after the second period and I'm like because you play like quarters almost don't you yeah. and I was just like just shut up, mate. Yeah. Yeah. But you you don't say They're anything. They're doing do all right. Yeah. You, you don't do it. Do right. You don't. No, no. But like the kids, just let them play now. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've got we've <laughs> just ridiculous. And yeah, basically, ridiculous. you've heard the coaches, and it's like they're playing FIFA. Mm. They are moving the players as if they're just like here, there, and as if if yeah, they had a joystick and they could move them, they would. They, yeah. they would. Yeah. But that, and it's in my opinion that is just taking away from the kids 
ability to make decisions and express yourself. Express yourself. You've got to express yourself. And, yeah. uh, you know, how often do you see sometimes, if, if you watch closely, you'll see certain kids looking, sometimes their coach, sometimes, sometimes parents. their parents, yeah. to be, because they're conditioned to be given instructions all the way through, and actually that's just not going to work. You've got to let them go and, um, and make their decisions. It's absolutely fine at half time when, yeah. they, when they're not trying to, you know, deal with X, Y, and Z. I, the best example I can give is like driving lessons. When somebody's trying to constantly pressurise yeah. you, what are you doing that for? You get worse under yeah. the, the. Yeah, you do. When somebody's watching you type. The intent. Oh, you can guarantee you Everything just goes wrong, doesn't it? So let them yeah. let them yeah. go. But you know, it's absolutely fine to have demands on them. Give them instructions. Give them a bit of detail. Yeah. And give them some detail and give them encouragement during the game. Yeah, always. But let the, do it in a way that they can focus on playing the game. Yeah, I mean, I, it's their I, game ultimately. I, I've improved with with James and and the one within the team that I always struggle, or the three I struggle to not be critical of, is you know, my own kids. Your own children. Yeah. I mean, the one I'm. <laughs> I won't ever criticize. Like you said, you've not criticized. But the ones I criticize, Brad, Corey, and Emmy. Yeah, well, why not? Do you know? Have you done that? And, you think, yeah. and, and that happens, but that that I find hard. But yeah, within the team, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm going to apologise to all three of them. I've criticised all three of them on the pitch because yeah. the, the parent or yeah, you have. More but when demands. you're when you're the parent and the coach, that's a real. Perfect it's storm. Really hard. It is hard. My poor Evie. Yeah, yeah, we've all done it, haven't we? And, and they're always the, the first to get subbed off, aren't they? Yeah. Or yeah. not started. Yeah. It's the easy sub, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the, the reverse sub. bias, isn't it's it? Like, yeah. uh, I'm not going to keep them on because. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah well, who do we take off? I mean, can't I take think, them off. I've got to take Evie off again. I, I think Evie's virtually started sub every game. Brad, for the. I'm always happy to say Brad will start a sub yeah Ibi will start a sub and I got better with it as I've got as she's got older I've got been like actually do you know what she deserves to be in that position so I've now yeah. put a coach's hat See, on I'm, taking I'm my parents hat I'm much harsher than you guys I'm clearly much harsher than you guys <laughs> I've, I've got a grandson in the team and he starts, he just runs a line does he he starts every game and he tends not to come off oh, fair enough know. he's yeah he's if that's a, he's, but if he deserves oh, to be on, he, uh, he does. He absolutely does. He was last year's player of the year. There you go. If he so, deserves it, yeah. And uh, sometimes Mark says, "Take this player off." I'm like, "No, they're playing too well." No, I'm not taking him off. Mm. Yeah, take take Brad off. Equal and, playing time. No, that's no, another no, discussion. That's another discussion. Yeah, yeah, another yeah, another podcast. Yeah. Um, anyway, going back to um, coaching the team, um, <laughs> you get a bare entire picture of your team's strengths. And weaknesses. And I know you said going down a tactical route. This this conversation hasn't got to be. It can also be emotional strengths and weaknesses as well. So you know, because you, you still get that in the in the social side. But yeah, you know, when you work as a, when you work with a team, you, you you see the full strengths and weaknesses when you yeah, work you with pressure. You can pressurize a certain group of players, can't you? A unit of players. Definitely, you can ask them to do. Little bit more, maybe, as opposed to when you're doing the one on ones or one on twos. Yeah. When you work with the team, you get you get to see where the where they are strong as a group and where you need that improvement as a group, yeah. and where, like you said, even if it's emotionally, where you think, okay, they you know they are, let's say it could be fallible if they go three down or four down. It's like, okay, what can we do about that? Even if they do that, if that happens, how can we say it doesn't matter? 
yeah. and make it so it's not a problem for them. You know, that for instance. One thing I've I've learned in my time coaching is like putting scenarios in your training sessions. So like you said, if we start one nil down, you've got five minutes left, so you're gonna play for five minutes against the other team who are one nil up. So you give them they then get that choice of go, right, we're one nil up, we only got to hang on for five minutes. Let's just see what they do. Will they time waste? Will they and will the other group of players that are playing in that will they go like all that attacking? Just you know what? We'll just bomb on. And we'll just leave one player at the back and maybe go long and leave it in their court, the ball in their court. And that's where you see where their decision making comes in then as a group. Because you give them a 30 seconds to decide what they're going to do. Off you go, 30 seconds, we're going to play. And you just throw the ball in or it's going to be someone's throw in to start with. And then yeah. I love, I love those that. Scenarios I love really, those scenarios are really good I love because you can, you can put in the, the tough situations that they'll find themselves in a, in, in a game in actual game you put them into training like I quite often I'll give really bad refereeing decisions yeah. and I'll be like yeah that as well no it's our ball and I'll deliberately give it the other way just to get them used to the fact that referees are going to do it that wrong. In a game. I do it as well and, and I've, I've done that subconsciously well I, I do it I'm pretty mean I've done it deliberately yeah. and stuff and, or not given a goal it's obviously a goal and then you see how, the, how, how do they respond to, to that and you can start to get the, the psychological like the resilience and stuff yeah. is really good one thing you can do is you're looking at a team and if you've got players who um, need support or who are quite emotional or, or make rash decisions and stuff, is can you balance them up with somebody who's, who can help them? Just a little more never-headed you know, and stuff. So yeah. your centre-backs, quite often that relationship is really important, isn't it? Mm. When you're playing 11-a-side football, if you've got one hot-headed kid or one rash player, just put the, put the player who's got that sort of calm, you know composed sort of yeah. personality next to them and then you get they start to rub off on each other and then yeah. pick out your leaders as well who's your captain who's your vocal player goalkeeper's really important you know you've got a goalkeeper who's talking to the rest of the team especially the back four and the, yeah. you know directing play from there and then have you got somebody who if you I don't know you've got you get the players whose heads go down really easily so can somebody pick them yeah. up when it's you sulk when a decision goes the wrong way because they've watched too much too, too, too much, much Premier football, yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, sometimes you don't even need to throw scenarios into into into, into the training sessions because sometimes you'd be playing a game and you're you're four two down and you score a goal and it's four three with a minute and a half to go and you get a corner and you look round and your keeper's running up. Yeah, and you haven't said that. No, oh, but they've just made that decision. That was last Sunday. Oh, <laughs> brilliant! Yeah, and we oh, still and we still had the last defender who was looking at us. We're like. Yeah, go as might as well go as well. Go. If you lose four, yeah. if you use five three, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, love that. Another uh, benefit, I think, of coaching uh, a team: player independence can actually improve when you coach as a team, so that when leaders are missing, others will step up to it because they've got used to working with the stronger players. Yeah. So when those stronger players are missing, those sort of Weaker players, for want of a better word, will step up for it because they've seen what it's like to be with those players in that sense. Yeah, well, I think we kind of you touched on that just now with like the like putting the two players next to one another, like yeah. a common influence on. I was always the rash player. Yeah. <laughs> I was always the one my dad was going to have to sub you off because you're going to get sent off. Seven. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, so and me going back to the last episode when I talked about the goalkeeper who came out to play centre, he was really calm. Hmm. Really, cut. we were a total opposite. I was vocal, loud. He was just calm, and you would. I didn't even need to talk to him because when you where he'd be, and you were where I had to give the ball to, and then I just let him play. And that, like you say, it does rub off. Yeah, when it doesn't you, have to be because you're doing it. It happens no. because it's in that general group 
sort of group scenario, scenario yeah, yeah 100% yeah, 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 goes yeah. back to that definitely you can, you can extend that to like a lot of teams in the grassroots world will have uh, multiple teams don't they? you'll have uh, you know your, a, your junior team and your Colts team and yeah. maybe even a third team as well and I think one thing worth mentioning is that any time you can try and encourage a bit of movement between those squads and, and have the pathway for a player playing in maybe a third team to move yeah. up to the second or a second team to move up to the first is really is is an important part of coaching See, we, a team and a squad because people grow and yeah. develop at different times. See, we at Red Falcon have always tried to do our teams as balanced as possible. So we've never really had like an A or a B team. Yes, we're in different divisions and you look at it on paper and you go, eh, they're pretty much the same. So for instance, my squad was in a different division to the, the squad above us. We met in the cup. I think they beat us 1-0 or it was 2-1. Yeah. It was like... So it could have gone either way. Nice. So we've always tried to do our squads as balanced as possible, but it, it do you train together? Do you yeah, train always train together. together. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Always train together. But that was my group. Um, I think two of our 11s and 10s do now. They all train together as one group. And then they go off and do their individual little bits of coaching and then come back together at the end. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that's how we. That's just how we run as a club. And there's no right or wrong way. And I'm not saying that there's a right way of having an A, B and C squad. Because I've been, when I've I was playing, club. I was a B. I was a B. I was in the B team when yeah. I was a kid. I've I've been in clubs where you know there's no there's no pathway from a Colts team up or yeah. and, and and they almost treat each other like you know sort of rival entities a little bit and I just don't think that's in the interest of the players or the club no, long term. To be honest with you. Well, I come back. Yeah, the, 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 not so it's that, but the first team I ran so thirty years ago to twenty years ago, Whitchurch had an A and a B team. Mm. Both in the first division, the hot, most hotly contested game of the year. They hated each other. But the Whitchurch A versus Whitchurch A, Whitchurch B. <laughs> it wasn't an A and a B team. It was just because they had to have separate two, names. Split. Yeah, it's just yeah. two, two separate teams. And they club. hated each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was, there was no love there because they weren't part of a. They, they were the club, but they weren't part of yeah. the same. The community. So no, when we were. When I was playing, I was in Bitten, Bitten's B team, which my dad took on. Otherwise, us, us lesser players wouldn't have wouldn't have made it. And the A team never lasted as long as we did no, because no. we had a group Often. of what we did. We yeah, built team, yeah. built a team. My dad built a team and a philosophy, and that's where mine's has come from. Well, this is me. it. This is one of the things that well, near, near in the end, but one of the points: better relationships are developed yeah. by keeping up by yeah. that team. Yeah. And I can bump into lads that I, I mean, probably all all can, no matter what level you play. You bump into someone and. Like yeah. now that I haven't seen for years, and it's like I seen them yesterday. Yeah, if you've got people who're still in touch, like yeah. post the, the football, or even still playing together, you see like vets teams, and it might yeah, be yeah. that's that's the most that's the biggest achievement. Massive, you can, friends for life. Yeah, yeah. and you that's can, the main thing. And it's like, like you said, you're a family for life. Yeah, things might go happen, or you might go your separate ways. Someone might move to Scotland or the other side of the world. Always, I said I always look at again. With the girls and the boy, my you always think like when they're eighteen, nineteen, mm. they've had too much to drink or whatever. Somebody will hang on a minute, like okay, let's get you in from that club yeah. or from down from wherever, because you're part of that thing and you're out yeah. to look out for each other all the way through life. That's a huge thing. Like, this nice. is Summerdale, Red Falcons and Fries are still. Which, you know, get them still. Yeah, the girls know each other, the boys know each other. And that's what you want to do. You're part of a community, and that's Warmly, Brislington, whatever. Yeah. Their main aim, it baffles me when you see coaches that 
it's the win 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 it's irrelevant Talk about wins and it's the it's irrelevant it's when they're mid twenty, whatever that they're still able to you're still a team and you've coached that team you've yeah. coached that team to be like that and that's the for me and that's like the said, goal that is, at that grassroots is, level for definitely yeah I think if you can if you've got a genuinely talented kid and, and they're doing well and you can signpost them up and, and you go can on, push then, them on yeah. then that's great well yeah, done it's great. But, but don't do it at the expense of you know the, the other 15 the other yeah. 15 and the the long term success of the team I can give you loads of examples of t- I think you play better football as well incidentally if you've got that team ethos yeah. and that because yes. I've, I've seen Colts teams overtake so called first teams I three or four years later as that team starts to disintegrate that's what we did they start to they just like faded away yeah, yeah. they fade away or they you know, people leave because they, they can't stand the pressure all these yeah. things happen or and they, they fall out see of that Colts team who's well coached but they've just been patient and they've stuck with their players yeah, and they've been stuck loyal with their and, philosophies yeah, and, and, yeah. and I've seen it happen recently last season I've seen it happen at club and it was awkward but I was like but I, I was pleased for them because yeah. they, they sort of so it kind of took us like my dad's doing that with us all those through those foundation years and then we went off the club the team stopped we all went different to different because we got to 15, 16 years old we went to different clubs which happens because you're at different school age groups and stuff so I went to Cabri Heath and I played two or three seasons there we, in the end we all came back together at like 20 years old playing Sunday league football because we were like oh, Saturdays is too much now when a lot of us were working Saturdays we then went on one leagues cups yeah. so we, did, we didn't win them when we were younger when we don't remember got I got there yeah. eventually when I was in my 20s and I remember it now yeah, it's much more and, I, and then we went out after yeah. not got no, we didn't have to go to McDonald's and go out and we went out, <laughs> out, out into <laughs> we town. went out, out into town out, on out. the bus a more expensive post, uh, <laughs> post game uh, night out but our mate brilliant ok we're coming to an end um, going to wrap up going to go around with any final points I've got sort of a, a bigish final point when you, I think when you're coaching a team I think emotional intelligence is important when working with a group. And I've got four little points. Um, I think self-awareness of your own strength, weakness and emotions. Um, regulating those emotions, especially when you're dealing with groups of adolescents who challenge you. Motivation is key. Working with a team can lead to failures compared to sort of individual work. So you, you need to stay motivated. And I think you need empathy. Again, especially with the t- teens we can work with as they experience life and they want to express it themselves to the group. Sort of my final point, Mark. Anything at all? The final points working well, with teams. I think that empathy one is the big one, and like I said, working the team. I think like we covered the technical and stuff like that, and going out to win. Out, I think at this level is secondary. Um, when you're working there, you want to work as individuals. Is like they said, is the life skills. You want to do as much as you can so that they're used to being a team, and that's it. it for me, that that's the main driving force for the individual to have. If the under sixteen boys, um, the under ten girls, Wildcats, and whoever is having that team, I think now we've got the women's team that have started, and this is a bunch of forty odd women we've now got at the club. It's amazing, and they are. 40 women of between 18 and 64 wow. um, and they are now they are their own little community and what they've done in the last year is fantastic but that's a, are any of them going to be professional footballs no are any of them going to but 
they were there, I'm sure, within that team, women who have now helped their mental health, who've got them out and about, and they're now that community. But their physical health as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. just, that's, for me, the most important thing, and they are a team. Yeah, brilliant. Ben? you kind of put it all in. You've done it, you've done it all for me, I've got to be honest. So, yeah, just, I think the emotional side of things, as a team, you'll pick up on that certain children are going through certain things or adults are going through things that you may not know about that you we've touched on it in the lab last podcast a couple of weeks back that you need to learn about and if you can put something in place to help them like we're partnered with go again which is a which is a mental health charity for sports academies and grassroots clubs and not just for players but for coaches as well because we've all been we've all had low points in life i'm sure um and for me it was quite recent and without the support of those people it would have been would have been a lot a lot harder so mm-hmm. yeah I think you've got to look out for, for their emotional health well-being and, and if players can recognise those triggers as well they can help each other right and that's the, the ultimate thing for me yeah. James yeah not a lot not more to add just I would just say if you're a coach just starting out coaching a team just enjoy it yes um, except that you know you're on a learning journey with the team as well as coaching them um, and um and like Ben said, um, you know, you, you're all there for each other. And, and so just, yeah. just be there for your team and they'll be there for you. And, uh, and the empathy is probably the key to all of that working. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's great. Don't put any pressure on yourself. I'm feeling a bit <coughs> emotional. Lads, yeah. So, yeah. Hey, what a way to finish. But, yeah, great, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Okay, and um, that's it for this episode. Um, my thanks to James. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Ben, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Mark, thank you. Thank you, and thanks for listening. And listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll catch you again next time. If you like this podcast, then please email us your questions, comments, random thoughts, anything you want to share with us at greengreengrassroots at gmail.com. You can contact Mark and Andy through X at FryClubJFC or Ben at RedFalconJFC on Facebook via Fry Club Junior FC or Red Falcon Sport. The Fry Club JFC website is www.fryclubjfc.co.uk and the Red Falcon Insta page is at Red Falcon JFC. You could also type out a fantastic review on Apple Podcasts or give us five stars on Spotify. You've been listening to a We Haven't Got a Clue What We're Doing, production, produced and edited by Andy Glover.